This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. You'll find us most uncooperative. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. I have a business proposition for you. I have a proposition for you. I've got a proposition for you guys. I want to hear proposition. Let's hear them. It's Minnesota Sports Profit Time with Mackey and Judd. All right, intern Max has put together a list of prop bets and over-unders for us to go over here. Let's start with this one. I like these. These are good. Who comes back first? We'll start with Judd, and then we'll go around the room here. And Max, you uh, you get to answer, too, because you made the list. <laughs> Who comes back first? Byron Buxton or Miguel Sano? So Buxton batted leadoff last night. He dh Do we know what he did? He definitely played in a, in a yeah, game I saw for AAA Rochester I saw he was playing. Night. I did not see what, what he it out. I did not see what he ended up with on the evening. Who comes back first? Mm-hmm. Byron Buxton comes back first. Byron Buxton is a AAA right now. I don't... I can't figure out how much the Twins are taking uh, Buxton's issues at the plate seriously and, and how much they really are trying to put off on the fact that they brought him back too quickly from the broken toe the first time around. But Byron Buxton, as far as maturity goes and as far as ability to contribute in the field and not be completely concerned that he's not going to take uh, sending him down seriously, yeah. I don't think that's a concern there. Uh, I think he definitely needs work on his approach at the plate, and I am not buying that all of his problems were a result of the broken toe. But I think I think Miguel Sano, for lack of a better term, Phil, is a reclamation project. I think Buxton is seen as more of let's work on this and that. But he's so good in center that if he can come back and, as we've talked about, hit 240, so I, I think it's Buxton. Before I answer, I have pulled up the box score from last night's Rochester Red Wings game against the Syracuse Chiefs. Rochester won 4-3, by the way. Buxton did hit leadoff. Let's go around the room. How do you think he did at the plate? <laughs> I feel like if he did well, we would have heard more about it. I'll say he went 0-4 with three strikeouts. Judd? Uh, I think he walked once, had uh, three official at-bats, and did not get a hit in those and had one strikeout. Max? Two strikeouts, you said? Yep. How many at-bats? Four. Well, how about this guy? It's like he's seeing the computer well, mirror, perhaps. I mean, 0 for 4 <laughs> with two Ks. Wow. How about go. this? Way to go. How about yeah. this? Like I said, Snow's coming back first. There's no question in my mind. Uh, <laughs> Even with that, I say Buxton, because I think you're right what you said, and you write that down last Friday, Judd. Snow could be September. 
Uh, and he's getting a day off today after, or whatever. He yesterday. has to play it in the game, and then he got a day he's off. He's going to alternate itself. He's playing like, every yeah. other day, which is probably a good thing, because what do you need to see single-A pitching for? Right. Just actually work on your swing uh, privately. Uh, yeah, I think Buxton comes back first, because at least he can help the team defensively. So no, can't even say that. Yeah, Max, what are you? Yeah, I mean, I think the obvious answer is Buxton. But, I mean, you could ask the question, too, is Buxton actually going to come back? Is he actually going to come back? Is it actually going to work? Him going down to minor leagues well, and coming back. I, I mean, I would say this, and this is where I'm going to go with it. I think it's Buxton, but so he's on a. This is his rehab stint, and I believe you get three weeks of rehab stint in the minor leagues, and then you have to make a decision. It's possible if they keep seeing this, if it's over four and it's strikeouts, that they wouldn't just call him back up because he has a glove. That they would leave him down there for sure. extra time, and then Absolutely. that they would just option him to AAA. And now both of those guys are, have just been optioned mm-hmm. <laughs> as opposed to on a rehab assignment. Uh, what about this one? We'll stick on Twins. Over or under one and a half All-Stars for the Twins this year? Dave, you want to start? I think over. I don't know who they are. I think between it's the Eds. Rosario, Escobar has certainly put himself into the conversation easily, and Barrios? Jose Barrios. I think you get at least two or three. Yeah. The three, three guys definitely deserving. Uh, I agree with Dave. I think it's. I think they get three. I think Barrios finds a way into the All Star game. Oh, you get all three in. And uh, I think Eddie Rosario is for sure in the All Star game. And Escobar at third base. We went over this to start the show. There's not that much competition. Jose Ramirez is going to be. He's the best third baseman. I don't know who's leading the vote, but he's the best third baseman. It's, so it's not like there's five guys lined up behind him in the National League. Different story. Arenado, Chris Bryant. There's all kinds of third basemen. I'm going to go over. Max Judd. Max. Yeah, I think they're going to get two. Uh, I don't know if Jose is going to get in there, but I would say Eddie and Eddie will get it. A uh, smaller market, not really a national team by any means, a division that is perceived rightfully so as being awful under. They get one all-star, Escobar goes. Okay. I think I think Rosario gets left out, uh, and, and I think that basically Kansas City, Chicago, Minnesota, Detroit all get one all-star. Uh, here's another one here. Go for football. I'm going to tweak this one. Max sent this one. I'm going to tweak it a little bit to make it more of a, about bowl eligibility, which I think five wins might get you in, but just for fun, if six and six gets you into a bowl game, over or under five and a half total wins for go for football this year. I will go ahead go, and pull up the schedule. I'll go. I've got the schedule up okay. right, right now, and I am going to go with the state of things with this program uh with what's going to be a very fluid quarterback situation and certainly an inexperienced starter I'm going to go under. Wow. I'm okay, going I, I don't I don't see it. I don't see it. I wouldn't be surprised. Well they get the three games against New Mexico State, Fresno State, Miami and, of Ohio at home. And I'm not going to be absolutely shocked if they get upset in one of those three. I think they win two, but I'm not guaranteeing three there. And the Big 10 it's I mean you, you play some teams that ordinary with ordinary golfer teams you you would definitely beat at home probably. I can't guarantee it. I'm going under. So they need to go three and six in conference if they went three and zero oh in the non-conference. And they've got home games. They got Indiana at home, Purdue and Northwestern at home. Those are but Purdue's getting better. I'm going to go over, but not by much. I'm going to go over. <laughs> I also am firmly planted in this boat, rowing it. Yeah, two oars. Dave Max this is a hard number. Let's just say you win the three non-conference, which is not a gimme in my book. I think you definitely win two. I'm not saying three is for sure. In conference, on the road, you have a shot at Maryland. 
at Illinois, you have a shot. That's just about it. At home, ah, Northwestern's probably going to beat you. You could beat Purdue, Indiana. Ah, I think it's under. Yeah. I think it's under. Wow. There's too All many right. 50-50 Two games. unders and over here. Max? I think they're going to get right to six. Yeah, I'm, I'm with I that. Th- I think they're going to get right to six. I mean, New Mexico <laughs> State win. Fresno State win. Iowa win. All you got to find is three. And then a big Good bowl luck. game. Big Don't, bowl game. Don't assume that all three of those non-conference are wins, young man. I mean, man. New Mexico, I, the, the one in front, I don't know. There's, those aren't exactly... I, they don't need to be powerhouses, I guess. Yeah. They can lose any of those games. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then, okay, final one, final one here. Uh, Dan Hayes will join us in 20 minutes to talk Twins. How many players on the Wolves' starting five right now will be still starting for the Wolves, or let's just say on the team, the following season? So Taj Gibson, Carl Anthony Towns, Jimmy Butler, Andrew Wiggins, and Jeff Teague. How many of those five will still be on the team a year from now? Dave or Max, you want to start? Um, one for sure. <laughs> wow. Towns oh, for great. sure. Not Gibson. I'm not confident Butler would be. Yeah. I don't think Jeff Teague. Yeah, yeah, I think two because I don't think you find a deal good enough to deal Wiggins. Yeah. I don't think anybody gives you anything. So, yeah, two. Towns and Wiggs. I th- I'm going to go with Dave. I think it's two. I think you're left with Wiggins and Towns. And I agree. And a new coach. I agree with you guys. <laughs> I think that's it. Yeah, I agree as well. I that's probably it. Why? Because Taj, Taj will probably just go. My guess is if Butler goes somewhere else, Taj goes somewhere else, Teague will be a free agent. If Butler goes somewhere else, Glenn Taylor can just say goodbye to Tom Thibodeau. Like it'll all, it'll all just be back to Wiggins and Towns and a new coach. Some guy. Yeah. Were you going to say something? No. Okay. No, I was done. I was agreeing. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be re- two. Taj could retire too, pretty quickly here. Absolutely, he could. Well, his poor body's going to break down if he keeps playing like he did last year. It's yeah. not going to be his decision. They're wow. going to have to wheel him off on a gurney. And, and you could keep throwing out names, and you might stick it to Gorgie. Yeah, he'll be gone. He might Tyus? be gone this week. God. I hope Tyus stays because I think Tyus, if, if given a chance, I think Tyus has a. And Jamal's already gone. We know that. Yep. Actually, this is a good segue into the Brian Windhorst audio from the scoop because he talked about some of these things. With Doogie. If you want the full episode, 1500ESPN.com or anywhere you would download podcasts for the most part, the scoop. We'll hear from Windy when we come back. Mackie and Judd, TCL Broadcast Studios. Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout. Coffee break. Gotta hurry if we want to get a seat. On 1500 ESPN. We now continue with more Mackie and John live from the TCL Broadcast Studios on 1500 ESPN. Uh, R.I.P. Vader, one of my favorite bad guy wrestlers when I was a kid anyways, 63 years old, and old wrestling picks just tweeted this out. Our guy Sam Munson from Pro Football Focus uh, shared this on Twitter. On October 12th, 1990, during a New Japan match against Stan the Lariat Hansen, Vader took a thumb to his eye, causing it to pop out of its socket. There's video of this here. He must have been done then. Vader pushed it back in, pushed his eye back in. Oh, dude. And wrestled for 12 more minutes. Oh, Max is trying to eat, and I almost threw up hearing that. And I'm not trying to eat. Pony Finau times 12. Yes. That's so gross. The ankle was bad, but an eye, oh. I can take the ankle. The The ankle didn't make me want to puke. 
Can that, if, if that happens, can you see out if you pop it no, back in? I don't want to stop it. I don't want to think about this. Stop can you asking still, questions. Can you still oh, see God, out of it when it's dangling Could we bit? move it along? Yeah, it, there's something about the eye hanging out that's really going to make me want to throw up. <laughs> I don't care if your ankle's flopping around. I'm going to retweet this. Legs don't bother I'm me I'm going to retweet much. this so you see it all in your timelines. That's gross. Legs are gross when they're oh. when they're dangling, but not nearly as gross as the thought of an eye. Yeah, that's not, not good. right. Okay, I don't like you. that. Oh, you guys want to hear from Wendy? Wendy oh. was on. As long as his eyes are intact, as long as his eyes are firmly planted in his head, yes. I think they are. Yes. Uh, so Brian Windhorst was on the Scoop podcast with Doogie this week. We talked a little bit about some of this stuff when Doogie was in studio yesterday, but here we're just going to play a couple clips and react to some of this stuff. It's speculation season in the NBA. Uh, Scott Layden and Tom Thibodeau are doing a very boring milk toast press conference right now in which they say nothing about their plans at number 20 or free agency. So let's lean on someone who has insights and information talking to sources. This is Brian Windhorst on free agency. I don't see them making a um, a huge splash in free agency. Um, uh, I, I don't think they uh, that's not the way they're going to build this team. They need to uh, get better from within, you know, um, Carl Towns and uh, uh, you know needs to play and, and develop a little bit more. And I don't know where Wiggins is. I mean, but their development's going to be with their young guys turning into the type of players that uh, they have the talent to become. I don't think it's going to be uh, a major splash, especially after last year when they were the big actor on draft night. I wouldn't be surprised if they make their picks and uh, and move on. So if that's the reality that hey, you can do some seasoning here, you can draft someone number twenty, you got a little mid level exception over here, but but by and large, this is the team, and your step forward depends on Towns getting better in certain areas and Wiggins getting better in all areas. How does that make you feel following this team? How confident would you be? Oh, not very. No, I, I would. My if that that was the case, my opinion or confidence wouldn't change. Now, now, Roycey did say yesterday that his uh, his spies or sources told him that there is a chance that they will try uh, tomorrow night to package Gorgie and that pick to get Gorgie off the books. Hmm. And so you'd get, let's say, a second round back. Basically, you'd be giving that pick away to get Gorgie off the books because the contract that Gorgie signed a few years back, which at the time looked really good, is now not. Let's see, you could you could actually get if you're if if you're going to match salaries on that trade and you're attaching a first round pick to to lure some you know something better in return. You know, for what would it, what, what does he make? Fourteen, sixteen, or whatever, fifteen million dollars, somewhere in that range. Like you're gonna, you could get a quality player back, or you could get a you could just get another bad contract. I don't know what you'd right. be looking for, but that's interesting. All right, this is Windhorst on Jimmy Butler. Butler had a pretty good season. Uh, I thought he was the exact type of player that they wanted to, especially after he took over. But I mean, he took over because he saw that it needed to be done, and um, you know, I think that he is willing to. Play a, to play a role. I don't think he has to be that guy who controls everything, but as the season went along, he realized that, that was who he had to be. And so that'll be, you know, a challenge to uh, Carl and, and, and Wiggins to, to you know, make him a, a supporting character because as good as Butler is, they're never going to reach their potential if he's their best player. They mm. need Towns and, and Wiggins to step forward. But here's the thing about Butler. Over the past five seasons, going back to his days with the Bulls, yep. he's been the best player on all those teams. And I don't know, 
I don't know if he now I could I see him going somewhere and playing with like LeBron James and being comfortable as the second guy, the Robin to LeBron James being Batman? Yes. Could I see him if he stayed around for the next two or three years, let's say, and his body held up and Carl Anthony Towns emerges into that that more Batman role? Yep. Could I see Jimmy Butler deferring, locker room deferring, on court deferring? I don't know. I don't know if I see that. I don't know. The, the, the age range seems a little too wide. The roles seem to be set where Jimmy is this godfather figure. Here's my and- here's my perception of Butler, and here's why I think that he he was disappointed in the end result of what transpired off the court with this team. My perception of Butler is this: Jimmy Butler is an alpha. He's an alpha player. He's an alpha human being. But Jimmy Butler wants to do what Jimmy Butler is going to do, and and his way of leading you is to say watch what I'm doing. But I don't really want I don't want to be a raw raw guy. I I don't want to I don't want to have to be the guy to uh to drag you from point A to point B. I want you to watch me and then get there. And this is where I think it, it's intriguing. He's he is a captain in his personality, but I don't think he wants to be the guy who sits there and tries to get you excited about basketball. He says watch how I play. And so this is where I think there's an interesting dilemma here because a guy like Wiggins, I think, needs to be led around, basically. And I don't think Jimmy Butler wants to be that that guy. And so I think there's a a dilemma here or a conflict uh, because the Wolves didn't get a guy who was going to say, okay, if you can't do it, I'll do it for you. They got a guy who's saying, watch me do it, do what I do. And unfortunately, a lot of guys can't do that. You know, it's amazing, though, if Andrew Wiggins was just flat out better we wouldn't sit here and nitpick, well, Butler as a leader and Towns defensively, if Andrew Wiggins was as good as we thought he should be at this point, none of these conversations would be taking but place. Like We'd still be nitpicking certain things, or Towns should be better at defense. But his personality would, would be different then, and it's not. You mean, what? Wiggins is. His personality would be, if he, if he had the ability to do what I think Cat can do, which is say, I want to be great, it's basketball, I know... Andrew seems to me to be the type of guy who needs to actually, you need to go to his locker and sit down and talk with him. And Jimmy Butler is not a babysitter. Jimmy Butler is an alpha who wants you to watch that and then take on the characteristics he's showing you. Yeah, it's pretty hard to find two more polar opposite personalities than Jimmy Butler and Andrew Wiggins. And if I'm Jimmy Butler, and I'm looking over here, and I've said this on the show last week, if I was drafted late first round and I was sort of passed up and I sat on the bench for like three years and I grinded my way for playing time and then grinded my way from playing time and late first round pick to being one of the best 15 players in the NBA and maybe one of the best two-way players in the league period. And then I look at Andrew Wiggins and see this guy was on Slam Magazine covers when he was 16 years old and he was the number one overall pick and he can jump through the roof of the arena and he can shoot from different ranges, you know, and get hot. Some, like He's got all this talent and... He sort of just peruses his way around the court and he just sort of floats through. It life would drive and me nuts. Yeah. It would drive me nuts. All right, this is Wendy from the Scoop podcast on Carl Anthony Towns. If he's competent defensively and he can be the beast that he's got the talent to be offensively, there's no reason he he can't become a top five to ten player. He's got that type of talent. That's what the Wolves are frankly gambling on, and you know I would assume that they're going to offer him a maximum extension this summer, and that's what they would be wagering on, would be that he turns into that player. That's what they're going to be paying yeah, for. He's, the thing is, he's already worth a max contract now, even if he doesn't get better. Carl Anthony Towns is one of the best, most efficient offensive players in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, is he good enough to help you win a championship? No, he obviously has steps to take. 
But if you paid him the same amount of money as you were paying Wiggins, it would be very much worth it. And and you wouldn't regret the fact that you have a guy who's operating at almost 60% field goal efficiency, effective field goal percentage, and a guy who puts up 21 and 12 in blocks and and passing and all these things on a nightly basis. You're not going to have to worry that he just disappears for like five games in a row. Like, where is he? Is he out there? Is he... Why is he not doing anything? There's games where Wiggins would not score for an entire half of basketball, and you're wondering what is that? Like, what are you doing? I think. Why are you shooting sixty percent from the free throw line? I, I think if you go through the Wolves roster and, and and coaching staff and executives, you you can pinpoint concerns about everybody. Towns is the one guy who, who you say to yourself that you would like to see him improve in certain areas, but he's the one sure thing I think, and that includes Tibbs, Wiggins, Butler. Go down that entire yeah. list. I agree, and and Butler's a sure thing if not for injuries and age. But that's but the those problem. are big yes. elephants in the room. Big yes. And then this is Wendy from the Scoop Podcast on why Jamal Crawford decided. You know what? Four and a half million dollars, probably more than other teams are going to give me. And the Wolves are a playoff team, and I get that, but I'm just kind of bored with this whole dynamic. Darren, uh, Jamal's displeasure with Tibbs was was well known. <laughs> um. And also, I, you know, I think there is a concern out there about whether or not Tibbs will do what's right for you in your career. Um, you know, so if you're taking a short contract without a lot of stability, um, that may be a concern because, you know, Tibbs is the type of guy that, you know, if you have a tweaked knee or a sore ankle, he might be on your face to play, whereas other teams will protect you a little bit more. That's that's a reality that exists out there. First of all, he dropped a Darren on Doogie. That means you're really serious. Darren, uh, Jamal's displeasure with Tibbs was, was well known. <laughs> okay, so when you start off with a Darren, that's serious. Yeah. Think about what he just said. And think about that being, and this goes back to what, I'm, what I was uh, t- talking about on yesterday's show about veteran guys or guys calling Jamal Crawford and saying, tell me about the Wolves and Tibbs. What he just said is as damning as you can possibly. This is why This is why I'm sure that we're right that something's wrong. In fairness to Tibbs, letting Jamal Crawford go, or, or at least not putting up a fight to keep him, it was Jamal's player option, so it was 100% his decision, but not putting up a fight to convince him to stay was the right move. Sure. So it was a it was a bad fit from the beginning. Losing him is actually addition by subtraction for this team. Right, but these are two very different things. That's fine. Mm-hmm. That's if if the if the if the decision uh, that Jamal made was triggered by the fact that it just didn't work here, and I like the team and I like Tibbs, it didn't work. But that's in one box, and and I have no problem with that. What I have a problem with is the other box, which is what Tibbs just brought up which is there is a real concern about veteran players, there's a real concern about usage, there's a real concern about playing guys that are potentially breaking down. This is why if this continues down this path, I have no confidence that Jimmy Butler won't be completely cooked in about three years. Yeah, he's at he's at that same age where all these other Tom Thibodeau protégés from Derrick Rose, and Derrick Rose is even younger when the knee gave out, but Joakim Noah, Luol Deng, go look at how old they were in their minutes loads and and just the connection to Tom Thibodeau. And I'm not, not saying it's a direct 100% correlation. There's some coincidence and luck in here, too. But it's, he's right on that edge of the cliff where you can't say with 100% certainty like you could with a Dwayne Wade at 29 or a LeBron James. Like, you know what? I know those guys have played a lot of minutes, but there's something different about the Tibbs experience 
or something very coincidental about the Tibbs experience that it, has led to a lot of players breaking down around this point? It's more more like the experience somehow of a football player to me. Like they just start like to a give running out. back. Or yes, something. Yeah. knees start to give out. Things start to. But but this is this is why my concern about Butler is very high because if he continues to play for Tibbs with the way he plays and what he's asked to do, I don't think we're going to get to a year where it's where Jimmy Butler played all eighty two games. I think we're continually going to be talking about a guy that misses a minimum of twenty games and ultimately probably more down the road. Let's talk Esky with our guy Dan Hayes from the Athletic. We'll talk Twins when we come back to the TCL Broadcast Studios. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. I'll be there ASAP. Where you going ASAP? You better be back ASAP. Fifteen hundred ESPN. Phil Mackey. Poke it out of the bunker, two putt for a 10. You lost the course. And then I lit myself on fire. Judd Zolgad. Am I just getting old and super cranky or old and sort of cranky? Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Mackey and Judd are talking twins. Now, with the man who's in the clubhouse covering the team every day. Beat writer for The Athletic, Dan Hayes. Courtesy of Prime Mortgage Lending of Bloomington. Home is where your story begins. Down the line, a base hit. How about a double? Lamar scores. Oh. Rosario oh. on third. He will score. Maybe. <laughs> and the Twins take a 2-1 to one lead on another double by Escobar. All right, Dan Hayes from The Athletic. Find all of his wonderful Twins coverage. And we were talking about this a couple hours ago. Eduardo Escobar is so hot, he's getting the NBA superstar treatment. Like when LeBron James or... Uh, when a star player goes into the paint, Kyrie Irving, and a player breathes on them, it's a foul. Listen, Escobar, standard single to left field, and and the center fielder bobbles it like it's not even a question. It's just a double now. Which if it's if it's even in doubt, it's a double for Eduardo Escobar. Okay, so here's my thinking on it: is that I he his mindset is double always. Like he he and Rosario have that mindset. I I don't disagree with that part. The part that I have a disagreement with on the call is Joe Maurer is ahead of him. Or, you know, actually, it's Rosario. No, no, it was Maurer in that instance on the second double. And is Maurer really going to push third base um, on, <laughs> yeah. on Jackie Bradley? Thank you. Yes. Yeah. With Jackie Bradley running <laughs> to his right, you know, and, and Jackie Bradley, we, we saw the, uh, the freaking laser beam that he had uh, throwing out. Uh, <clears throat> was it Adrianza? I can't even remember at this point. But Grossman, I mean, Grossman, yeah, Grossman, yeah, it was Grossman. Grossman. Quick too, you yep. know. And uh, so, no, I disagree with that. It, it is definitely some uh, NBA star uh, help there because that's a single. You know, Maurer's not going to push it, and, and Escobar ends up on first with a really wide turn there. Amen. Uh, so, so how how many games have you? covered in your career where, where you've uh, spent the first portion of the game thinking that, that the team that you're uh, covering is going to get a, either no, no hit or or uh, a perfect game against them, and then they come back and actually win that, that game. Because, Dan, uh, for the first portion of that game last night, I thought that Chris Sale had perfect game stuff. Yeah, he was amazing. And, you know, I mean, I, I covered him for five years, so I've seen that game play out before. It's it's maddening uh, for him because man, where's the run support? And I've seen that exact two to one kind of loss for him for years. But um, the Twins had no chance those first five innings, and and all of a sudden Adrianza with the uh, little infield single and and things kind of start rolling. The next inning they get some momentum, they get a leadoff guy aboard Brian Lamar. 
singles, even though I think he probably got a, a strike three call in his favor. Um, and, and sale even mentioned that, but it's, it's amazing. I mean, and, and it's again, why this team is, is so hard to pin down because, you know, last week when we talked, they were uh, potentially on the verge of a winning streak, and then they just looked dead to the world for two days. And when I left Detroit, I was ready to write them off, and, and then all of a sudden they beat Corey Kluber and Chris Sale in a four-day span. And, and you know, they're not, they're not good. They're still five under 500, but you can understand why they uh, hold out hope. It's just where, where do they turn this, this switch on? I mean, this, this is the classic symptoms of a team that's 500 or just below. Um, they're, they're too good to be where they are. Um, they, they just need to get going and it's just very hard to predict. But at the same time, when you have Escobar and Rosario playing as well as they are, you know, they're, they're, both those guys are all stars. The the unfortunate part is a team that's under 500 is not going to get two or three all stars and, and Barrios, there's a good case for him to be made too, but I just don't see this team getting three all-stars, even though they, they probably deserve it. Yeah, that's probably fair. Hey, on, on Eduardo Escobar uh, specifically again here, someone brought up a great comparison in terms of value at the trade deadline, which is just one piece to the decision. Like You could, you could approach him during the hottest streak of his life and three months away from free agency and him and his agent and, and, and maybe push for a contract extension, but would you be overpaying during this stretch where he's probably not going to be able to repeat it uh, or you could just let it let it ride until the end of the year and see what happens. But if you decided to trade him, one of our listeners brought up a good comp. Ben Zobrist signed a contract with the A's a few years ago or, or was somehow on the A's at the end of his contract. And they traded him for a couple players to the Royals who needed a, a utility guy and a guy who could play you know 53 different positions like Escobar can. And they wound up with Sean Manaya in that trade. Yeah. And Sean Manaya has an ERA under four. He's a 26-year-old starting pitcher for the A's. He's a he's not a number one guy, but he's a good solid rotational piece that they're going to have now for six years of team control. Um, is that if they decided to shop Eduardo Escobar at this point in the next month? Because hey, you know what? We're a few games under 500. Is it fair to say they could get a legit piece? I I think that he they could get something pretty decent. Um, I mean, Zobras probably had a better reputation at that point as yeah. far as a longer track record. The way that Escobar's played since he got inserted into the lineup last year, those final six weeks, has been nothing short of incredible. And he's a guy that teams love uh, for their energy. Um, they need that kind of guy to when the when the season gets, especially with the dog days of uh, August. That's a great time to kind of pick up a guy like that to insert into your clubhouse chemistry. Um, he definitely has value. I don't know what that value would extend to, but. He'd be a guy. It's when you look at this team. There's so many interesting pieces that if they have to go that direction, you know, July is going to be pretty interesting too. Not for reasons that fans are going to like, but anybody that's a prospect monger is going to like it because they'll probably get some interesting pieces back or pair guys together. Because you know, say you traded a Lance Lynn and an Escobar together, then you definitely get something good back. I mean, their rentals are are kind of intriguing. I mean, Fernando Rodney. Would I don't know that teams would trade for him to be a closer, even though he has closer stuff. Maybe they, a lot of teams seem to load up on power arms, and so maybe he's an eighth inning guy for a team instead of the the closer. But mm-hmm. he'd be very intriguing. Um, you know, Dozier's intriguing. Well, Joe Maurer would be intriguing. Um, wow. Although, I don't wow. know. did you just say that? Oh, wow. <laughs> so, wow! Hold on. Wow. 
You know, it would be interesting, though, if you went to Joe and said, all right, listen, Joe, we're out of this thing, and you've never won a World Series, and the the Seattle Mariners would really love some on-base percentage with Cano out for the playoffs, too. Like, if you said, Maurer, would you waive it for two months to go play baseball in Seattle or How something? about the Red Sox? Go to Fenway Park? Dude, it would be hit fun. Hit it off the monster for a couple of months, Joe? He's not going to do it. I don't see. Oh, it. come I, on, Dan! That was so much fun. You broached it. You brought it up. <laughs> I did. I, I. I don't know. I mean, he wants to finish here so badly. I think, and and it just depends. If they were really rebuilding, if they were tearing everything down, that changes things. But I just don't think that they're in that position where they're going to tear everything down. Um, but there, there's going to be a lot determined by what we see from Buxton and Sano when they come back. Uh, as far as the direction of the team, um, because you got to know what you're moving forward with, and uh, so <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe if it was all burning down, Joe would say, "Okay, yes, I'll do this." But I think he wants to finish here. What's your best guess on on those two? When, when do you think uh, that we see Buxton and and Sano again, and which one do you think we see first? I think Buxton first, as long as obviously he stays healthy. Um, I, I think that, you know, if he hits three days in a row, something along that line, if he just shows good plate appearances a couple days in a row where he, he really looks comfortable, he'll get the, the call back up. Um, but I still think he could be a guy that's down there for 10 days. Uh, so, no, I think is going to be a little bit longer. I, I you know, there's there's very specific work going into the, the lower half and strengthening it and, you know, we like they're doing, like we, they said they were going to kind of do, he's not going to play every day. So he had a nice day the first day, two for four with a double and a walk. And then he was off yesterday. And I'm sure yesterday entailed a lot of a heavy workout and, you know, a lot of physical conditioning. And I, so I think Sano's more of a project and is going to take a little bit longer. Do we know, is he staying in that dorm facility on site? Or, that's cause I'm that's sure- a good question. That's why I thought initially I, I haven't had a chance to, to ask that. Um, but but they definitely made it seem like they like all the control that they have. I don't think that he's going to be in the dorm, but at the same time, um, you know, he'll, he's probably close by and maybe might live with one of the coaches. You know, he's got a lot of people on that staff that he really likes and, and throughout the facility he really likes, so maybe he's a roommate. Yeah. Uh, Dan Hayes is our guest here, talking twins every week with him from The Athletic. And I, Jose Barrios absolutely did not have lights out stuff, you, command issues last night. But to grind through six and a third and only give up one run to that lineup is is pretty darn impressive. And he's been mostly really good since that little four game hiccup in the middle of the year. Is he from from your conversations with him and people on the team? It seems like he's learning quite a bit about. Just how you're not going to be perfect. It's okay to throw the ball over the plate after you give up a home run or something. What would you say he's learned, and what are people saying about him so far? About halfway through this season, I think it's a lot of self-preservation. It's it's you're not going to have your best stuff, you know, 25 of the 33 times you go out there, and it's learning to work with that and 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 just get by. And he's really learning how to pitch, and it was so impressive. You're right. I mean. He still had some good velocity. I saw his fastball hit 95 and 96 a couple times. Um, and I think he put an Instagram video out of some of the strikeouts last night. Um, like he, he definitely 
learned how is learning how to pitch around those situations, which is so key because when you're a guy like that and you have that kind of stuff and you think that you have to have that stuff and rely on it to get by, obviously that's not the way you want your guy to go, but it takes a little while to figure that out. And, you know, all you have to do is, you know, make a pitch here or there. And, and obviously he had to make a lot last night and he was scrambling for a while, but I mean, the, the lessons from that that he has gained are so valuable and, and set him up for the rest of his career as far as knowing that he can do this because he has enough stuff and he's smart enough to go out. And I, I think that's the that evolution from, from uh, thrower to pitcher that, that he has started to make, which is so critical for guys because that 96 is going to be 92 in about three or four years or maybe, maybe a little longer than that. But it's not always going to be there. So it's going to be about changing speeds, hitting spots, uh, changing, you know, the levels with your hitter's eyes and and really fooling guys. And and he's done a really good job of that. Um, Like you said, that four-game stretch was awful. It wasn't there. I think his ERA was 8-8 over those four. But, you know, even last night without the curveball, he yanked one early on for a wild pitch. And, you know, Mitch Garver had no shot at it. It was it was like a foot outside. And especially with the way he yanked it, it was pretty clear that curveball was not going to be working as well um, as as it has been. But he figured out how to get it done, and, and you're right. I mean, Mookie Betts was the guy who he was not going to let beat him. Obviously, we saw him get pitched around, and then he hit him in, in his last at-bat. But it was very impressive. Um, and, and if he can continue to do that kind of thing where the – where the bad days are, you know, it's not always going to be one run on the bad days, obviously, but if he can keep the bad days to three runs or less than six innings, uh, you know, he's going to have a very successful career. It's been the trend, but how convinced are you that Dozier is going to get get hot here? Because it's been now about a 50-game uh, span where he has not been good. Yeah, and he shows little signs here and there, and he was hitting the ball on the line for a day and then homered the next day and then turned it around and went right back. Um, you know, I mean, he's always been a second half guy. He's always gotten hot in the second half. Um, you wonder if any of this contract year thing is, is playing into this for sure. Um, but at the same time, you know, I mean, think about what he went through last year, the fact that he's going to be traded and before the season. And then the Dodgers were looking at him all year and, he he really tore it up the last couple months of the season. So, I mean, you would have to think track record plays in. Uh, but they need him. I mean, if they have any shot, he is their spark plug. And if you have him and Maurer at the top doing anything in front of the uh, the Eddies, and, you know, you're in really good position compared to right now where you're just kind of relying on Escobar and, and Rosario to do it all. Um, it, it's not a formula for you know, sustained success as we've seen with the team five games under 500. Um, the fact that they're only five games under 500 really says everything about what Rosario and Escobar have been able to do. So they, they need Dozier in the worst way. They need Maurer to be consistently in there uh, until they trade him. Um, and then, uh, and, uh, yeah, it, 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 I heard that it, again. Wow. Or Maurer trade speculation. Right here. Reckless speculation from Dan Hayes. I was, I was hoping you guys picked that up. Really so. part of the show now. This is really good. <laughs> We turned a corner today, Dan. (laughs) (laughs) Great stuff, Dan. We'll catch up next week. See ya. All right, guys. All right, Dan Hayes from The Athletic. Just throwing it out there. It does make some sense, obviously. Go to him. You say, Joe, we want to get you a World Series ring. Uh, I can confirm via an unnamed anonymous source. Sano does own a house in Fort Myers. 
no dorm treatment for him. So, but it would have been Is interesting there a if they fridge would have count said, in that house that you could give me. Uh, how many fridges in the house? How many refrigerators? <laughs> I don't know. And what's in them right now? I'll check with my fridge sources to see. Hello, Kemp's. I need a big shipment to Fort Myers, Florida. <laughs> Kemp's. Kemp's ice cream. Oh, I see. Okay. You think he just sits around eating ice cream? Down I there don't now? know what he does, but <laughs> by his conditioning, I would say that there's a fighting chance that's the case. Uh, more stones in a glass house here. Bill uh, Mackey, Judd Zolgad. You two are just dumber than a bag of hammers. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Hi, here's what you do this Friday afternoon. You spend a little time with Garage Logic, GL Broadcasting Live, this Friday, 1 to 3 from O'Gara's at the fair. For the 45th annual MSRA Back to the 50s, it was voted USA Today's Best Car Show of 2017. Back to the 50s features over 10,000 street rods and custom cars, live music, hundreds of vendors, and much, much more. Details at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events. All right, we're getting complaints here. Twitter complaints into the show. Terrible. Jake tweets into the show. Tell Judd to watch the comma splices and run-on sentences in his articles. (laughs) He has a pattern of elongating his sentences when he could easily break them up into two sentences. Nothing but love, though. See, I like the long sentence. I'm going to tell you right now. So that's a strategy for you? I like the long sentence. I don't like breaking up sentences. I don't like the... Why don't you like breaking up sentences? sentences, The four sentences in, in a paragraph. Because I feel with a comma and transitionary words that you don't need to have a bunch of short sentences. Some people like the short sentence. This is a personal preference. But I, I, you know what? Love right back. The fact that he is, the fact that he sent you a note weighing in, I think is, is, it's touching. Okay. Well, luckily, we actually have uh, column police officers that just go around patrolling the 1500ESPN.com columns. Oh, boy. I don't know if you knew this, but Dave Harrigan is uh, is on this task force no, I here. Didn't. So. I'm on the case. Okay, yeah. yeah, let's hear it. Yeah, I saw that note, and I went right to Judd's latest masterpiece, the Could Barry Trotz Be Coming to the Wild column? That was a clickbait headline, by yeah, the way. Yeah, it was very clickbait. complete BS on my I part. Love, I'd like to apologize. As someone who uh, appreciates downloads and clicks, I really it was commend clickbait. you for the clickbait headline Thank there. you. I mean, the the first sentence in itself is not only long, but beautiful. Wait, in the fact what, that, what was the headline again? Could Barry Trotz Come to the Wild? And, basically, yeah, I don't And the first sentence is laugh out no. But now that you're reading... <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. They shouldn't do that. Bye. But here's some more stuff you read. That's it. Headline, perfect Zolgad form. Zolgad, colon, wild GM has connection to Barry Trotz. But is ex-Caps coach worth pursuing? Kind of a run-on headline there, frankly, but let's get to the actual meat of the column. (laughs) But I got your attention. It didn't take long for the speculation to begin from Judd Zolkate himself, about where Stanley Cup winning coach Barry Trotz might land after it was announced Monday that he and the Washington Capitals had been unable to come to terms on a new contract and were parting ways. <gasps> you probably could have gotten rid of that second part, the explanation of the of why you're writing it, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Like the first part could have packed a punch there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, then we get into a, you know, some minor speculation. Then we start the third graph with, in fact, comma, the Sporting News put the Wild second to the Islanders on the list. Ball. Do we really need the in fact, Judd? Really? You could just say the Sporting News. You know, put the I Wild. like. You know, some people don't like that. I I enjoy the sort of see. Dave, it's this conversational. Is a, I'm this with is a conversational tone. Now, now I now now you're not wrong. I've worked with a lot of people that like stories that read like in individual paragraphs with no conversational transitions. Once again, total personal preference, and you might be right. 
So it's just I prefer the conversational in fact. But you are right. It's I, not necessary. I'm with Judd. I, right. I do prefer the conversational asides, the in facts, the howevers, the uh, in theories. If, if you were working on the copy desk at the Star Tribune, you'd be applauded for killing those two words, though. And I would probably also be applauded for in the fifth graph here, noting your <laughs> passive voice when you write, Chuck Fletcher was shown the door by Leopold and Fenton was brought on board. Mm-hmm. Ooh, we got to really, let's get some more active voice, up. Judd. All right. Yeah, Leopold hey. showed Chuck Fletcher the door. The Wild brought Fenton on board. You yeah. know what? He could be an editor. Hold on. Hold, wait, hold on a second. Hold, well, no, forget that. Here's what I see. Dave's producer shift gets done. I think he transitions right to, to a, a 1500 ESPN copy desk job. I, I, yeah, I think we could Because you that are. Work. You're right about this. If the money's right, let's do it. I'm, I'm willing. Well, I'm willing and able. No, it's your love of the craft that we're banking on. I mean, we start a graph with but Boudreaux also. But what? You're starting a new paragraph. There's no thought to but. Oh, no, it comes from the, from the, the previous, previous graph. paragraph. Well, yeah, yeah that, common sense would say that, but English doesn't. <laughs> it's AP style, Judd. I think we you got, have no style. I think we got something here, boys. I think, we got, I think we've got uh, till, till 1 o'clock your shift is producing the show. Then I think from 1 to, to one fifteen, you do the podcast and that. one fifteen to 6? 1500 ESPN copy. How about you sacrifice the six o'clock hour updates and then just spend an hour editing like two or three pieces from Judd, from Collar? I don't disagree with that. Make sure it's it's tight. Make sure the transitions are there. Because I'm churning out copy. Like, you, you, I you don't home. need to be bothered with grammar. Exactly. You're a, you're a content machine. I am I am churning out copy and hot takes. You're like Sid. I don't need to know how to. Just someone just hey, put this up. You for know me. what? Stephen A. Smith can't write and did columns for a long time himself because mm-hmm. he was a content machine. Phil's right. So I'm churning, churning. hot I'm churning hot takes. You, you are taking them and grammatically making them beautiful. I think this is great. I'd be very happy to help. Like I said, the money's got to be right. I wish this <laughs> wish segment you quit wasn't out about, of time because I've got like eight more I, I want to get to. I wish you'd quit talking here. about money. I wish you'd quit. <laughs> you know what it's about. Following these <laughs> messages. That is good news. On 1500 ESPN.